1: Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
2: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, we've got an interesting uh, batch of guests scheduled for today. Uh, Coming up in the uh, third half of our three-hour tour, um, we're going to talk with um, the chief of urology at uh, John Muir Hospital, He is an award-winning urologist, Dr. Justin Brandeis, and he has pulled together advice from 50 top doctors and men's health experts in a new book called The 21st Century Man. We're going to talk about all kinds of issues related to men's health and sexuality and so on with Dr. Brandeis coming up during the third half of our three hour tour in the middle the second hour we're going to talk with um, a uh, life coach from texas michael taylor and uh he's um throwing kind of a lifeline to individuals looking to kickstart their spirituality or their at least their spiritual journeys and self-discovery in a new book called what if jesus were a coach should be uh an interesting uh, conversation, to be sure. My, uh, my first guest scheduled this morning, and uh, again, this is uh, one of those times when uh, I'm reminded that, oh yeah, that's right, this is live radio. <laughs> it doesn't just happen automatically. Um, was scheduled to talk with uh, Brooklyn Rainey about her book, One Trusted Adult how to uh, build strong connections and healthy boundaries with young people. Um, And... Oh, I see the problem. Well, hang on just one second here. Um, I'm supposed to be calling her. I thought she was calling me. So, let's see if we can get... uh, Get connected with uh, Brooklyn right now. Doo, doo, doo. Again, welcome to live radio, folks. Anyway, I'm trying to get hold of uh, Brooklyn Rainey, author of One Trusted Adult. And uh, it's ringing now. Let's see if we can. Good
3: morning, this is Brooklyn.
2: And there we are. Brooklyn, can you hear me okay? I can hear you, Tom. How are you? I'm doing just fine, and I, I've already introduced you. I um, was stalling a little bit, waiting for the call to come in, and then I checked my notes and realized I was supposed to call you. So <laughs> I... Oh, uh, good. I, my my audience Here we is, are.
4: We're connected now.
2: Yeah, my audience is, is used to uh, a little inside baseball on this thing we call live radio. So... Um, <laughs> But let's talk about this, uh, building strong connections and healthy boundaries with young people. That's uh, two different concepts altogether, how to be closer and how to maintain a certain kind of, of distance. Um, what's important about each?
4: That's a great question. First time someone's really zeroed in on exactly that. Is this a polarity or do these two things Rely on each other. And as we dig in with interviews and uh, conversations with young people and older people talking about who showed up for them when they were younger, we're finding that the building of trust requires the boundaries. That it's not the opposite, it's not getting closer and then being there's a little bit of trust built and a little bit of boundary declaration. We share our requires and desires and relationships, and that builds more trust. And really, by um maintaining your own boundaries and then someone respecting those, that's where we build the trust.
2: And and looking at the title of the book, One Trusted Adult, I'm reminded of um, when I, I have two daughters that are grown with kids of their own. Mm-hmm. But when they were young and their mother and I split up, I remember sitting the girls down and telling them that their mom and I were about to be a little bit crazy for a while, and it might be a good <laughs> idea to pick out an adult that they trusted mm-hmm. an aunt or uncle, a school teacher, somebody mm-hmm. it, that they felt like they could talk to and ask questions mm-hmm. of so that they wouldn't mm-hmm. get too caught up in that ping pong that goes on during divorce mm-hmm. sometimes. And, you know, I, I felt really good about that. And they both, you know, I, I had one who picked out a school teacher, and the other one basically would tell everybody everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but there's something in the title of your book that took me right there into yes. that moment in time in, in my own history. Mm-hmm. And, and I just wonder, is, is that what you're talking about with this title?
4: That is exactly, exactly it, exactly. One of the hardest things for parents to recognize, understand, accept, is that we may not be the right person in this moment for our child, and we may need to partner with other adults in the raising of our own children. And historically, that's happened, right? Villages and intergenerational homes. But the more we've isolated, moved, uh, we've gone in and parents are, like, I give them a ton of credit, parenting during a pandemic and being it for kids. But your voice isn't the only voice that a young person should hear. And we've got to open up. I love that you went there and you encouraged that. And that's a lot of our trainings and talks with parents is encouraging that. We, as the parents, signal to our children who else they can and should trust, and we've got to stay open to inviting those relationships in, whether it's grandparents and other family members, teachers, school counselors, coaches, neighbors, youth ministers. We've heard, like, it is, the list is long of how trusted adults could show up, um, but it's all about a common interest and really a, a listening ear. One big company owner shared with us that, This woman probably has no idea that she was a trusted adult for him when he was in seventh grade. It's his first job, a paper route. And it was just her predictability. Every single Thursday after school, she would be sitting on her porch waiting for the paper to be delivered. And she invited him to sit down and chat. And he did every single week, week after week. And they didn't have any formal relationship. It was just a neighbor he delivered a paper to. But he recalls that moment as being really transformative for him helping him to feel seen, valued, like someone wanted to know what he had to say. So it's all these little moments that I think are the best prevention and protection of children.
2: You know, for decades, I've been hearing the phrase, um, not not so much lately as some decades ago, but the, but the phrase that I used to hear all the time was generation gap, and mm-hmm. that somehow... Um, People of a certain age don't understand young people and vice versa. And I, I, I wonder, has that gotten better or worse as has media plays much more of a role in people's lives and i don't mean just social media i'm talking about right musical options and radio Mm -hmm. stations and tv Mm -hmm. and movies and and this sense that they're all made for a specific demographic
4: yes yes i think there's an opportunity Well, Tom, are you on TikTok? Are you learning any TikTok dances recently?
2: I'm not, although there is a a (laughs) dance on on television that I'm trying to commit to memory. (laughs) Oh,
4: nice. (laughs) I think it's an opportunity. Whenever someone says gap, there's, there's a way that we can close that gap and we can use it as a way for young people to teach us. I love playing dumb and saying, I have no idea how to use this technology or what is this song even saying, and allowing young people a chance to be the expert and teach us. So is there a growing gap? I don't think it's that much larger than probably any other generation, but there's always a difference in preferences and trends and clothing and music and technology, but it's an opportunity. And at the root of all of it, I think every generation deeply desires presence and playfulness. That we come together in community to learn and to play, and being fully present is a part of that. And so, if you can stay present and ask a young person about these types of trends, like they absolutely will love to talk about them, and that's the connection we're trying to build.
2: As as we get older, um, are there things that that we experienced when we were young? that were so painful we've just completely blocked them out of our memory. And does that make it tough for us to relate to young people as they go through some of those things?
4: Hmm. I mean there's a lot of research on on trauma and the brain science and I'm no expert in all of that. But I, certainly I, all of our And
2: I'm not talking about necessarily big trauma, but just the the awkwardness and the, the geekiness that, oh, <laughs> that we all feel when we're young. But as we get yeah. older we just we dismiss that. We get as far away from those feelings as we possibly can.
4: <laughs> Middle school never happened. Burn the photos. But it never happened. <laughs> um, that's I'm I'm fascinated by that question and I can't wait to ask some more people that same question. Um, I work with a lot of educators. I interview a lot of educators who have chosen to go back and relive middle school and high school (laughs) day after (laughs) day, year after year. So in my sphere, I wouldn't say that's the case. But in our interviews, you know, people certainly aren't lining up to say, you know, I peaked in middle school or high school was the best time of my life. Um, I think it offers a lot of perspective to a young person. When you do offer your experience then and where you are now and how far you've come and what matters or doesn't matter. Um, I think if we could lean into that and accept that and open up to conversations about that, again, it would be a huge connector.
2: Um, the The idea of, of boundaries, in, and in the title of the book, it's, uh, well, once again, it's One Trusted Adult, How to Build Strong Connections, and... Healthy Boundaries with Young People mm-hmm. uh, by Brooklyn Rainey, my guest. When we talk about healthy boundaries, um, does that change as children age what those boundaries might be? Because as, as I remember um, my own upbringing way back in the olden days and my kids, As they were growing up, it it seemed like a big part of growing up was, um, in in some ways, growing away from parents and home. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah, middle school, early high school, it's natural that that liberation process has to occur. And that's exactly when we're hoping trusted adults from outside the home really step up. Um, to play a part and influence the upbringing and shaping of that young person when they're, and I remember, well, like resisting everything my mother and father were telling me, but, you know, my grandmother, my aunt, the school secretary who I was close to, they could tell me the exact same thing that my parents were telling me. And for some reason I could hear it. And that is truly a, a natural part of that liberation. And you're right, boundaries shift and change as they age. We focus specifically on well, we have we have a sustainable safeguarding framework, and it's really about the protection of youth, right? So that boundary of to protect a young person, and also the protection of the adult in terms of sustainability of career and burnout. We are talking a lot right now about compassion, uh, compassion fatigue, and just getting tired. I see so many great trusted adults who think that they need to be saviors or heroes, or do everything for the child, and the boundaries we're talking about really are allowing a young person to shape their own path and grow up, independence, control all the things they need, and we, uh, we're on the sidelines, coaching, cheerleading, comforting, and supporting.
2: Brooklyn, I have to put a commie here because I have a break coming up in just a moment, but I want to yeah. talk about this some more. Can you stick around for a few minutes? Absolutely. All right. Sure. My guest is uh, Brooklyn Rainey. The book is One Trusted Adult. We're going to let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. We'll Hello be right there, back. Hello,
5: everybody. It's me, Tigger.
2: ti double
5: That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner's
4: program on account of because he's so bouncy.
2: woo
4: <laughs>
7: and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org.
8: Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the
4: country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community.
7: This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program
2: hey welcome back everybody we continue our conversation uh, about building strong connections and healthy boundaries with young people as laid out in a new book uh, called one trusted adult by my guest uh brooklyn rainey and um actually i think i got that wrong i think uh the book may have been out for a little while, but there's a, a new organization by the same name. But we'll get into all that with my guest, Brooklyn Laney, <laughs> who joins me by phone. Brooklyn, welcome back! Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Of course, so no, all good, excited. Um, Brooklyn, just before the break, we we had just touched on the idea of burnout. And before we get into all that, I, w- I want to go back and pick up on, on something you mentioned about somebody you d- talked to who said when uh, he was a young man, a paper boy, in fact, he, there was a, a lady on his route that, that maybe didn't even know she had become a, a trusted adult for him and as and much of an influence over him. But how do we First of all, how would young people know the difference in, in who to pick? Um, you know, a, a lady like this sitting on her porch waiting for her paper or that, that old guy on the corner that says, hey, you kids, get off of my lawn. Or and, and the flip side of that, how might an adult – know and take seriously the interactions they have with young people for the reason that they might be having that kind of a, a long-term influence on them.
4: Yeah, this is it. We talk about this all the time. And from the adult perspective, one of our programs is called Making the Most of the Moment. And part of that is just recognizing when there's a moment to be made. And I see opportunities all day long, especially I'm a, I'm a mom And I see whether it's a server at a restaurant, or a barber, or the teacher, or the bus driver, there are moments to create a sense of belonging for a young person, to build their self-esteem simply by asking good questions, again being present and playful, and wanting to know more about them. Um, One example, I always tell the barber story because I'm trying to grow independence in my son. I want him to feel confident he knows what kind of a haircut he wants he is learning about money this was a few years ago when he was much younger <laughs> and so i went into the the barber um but he had his money and he was going to he was practicing doing this himself and the barber kept turning to me like how would how would he like his haircut and i said oh he he knows ask him and the barber was really uncomfortable with this um and again, turned back, well, which way do you want to part it? Parted? I'm like, oh, you know, I am not up to date on seventh grade hair trends for boys, but he'll tell you, he'll let you know. And the more the adult turned to ask me, I saw my son think a little bit and pull back from the interaction. Like he didn't, like the, this man wasn't going to ask him or didn't care what he thought. And we sort of muddled through and, and made our way. And then right at the end, we're walking out and he, he said, looked at me and, and told me the price. And my son turned right around and handed him the money and said, Keep the change. <laughs> and <he locked laughs> and oh, that's great. it was such a fun moment to debrief with a seventh grader for him to say to me, like, I know how like why did he keep talking to you? You should have left. And and then there's me on the other end of the boundaries like oh, well, I'm not gonna leave you in there alone with like just you and the barber in the barbershop. And so I think it's a dance we're doing all the time to give our young people these independent chances to have conversations, grow relationships, make connection, practice skills, but also to keep them safe. So we're always navigating that. Um, I think young people have an incredible sense for who are the adults out there who are interested in engaging in a young person and who are not. And we're we're always training young people, um, we call it woe friends, uh, upstanders, the ones who are willing to say woe and express polite doubt when something doesn't feel right. And it really comes back to our, we say, gut, guts and gusto. Like you're checking in with your intuition on how a situation feels and then always talking it out with a trusted adult you've already connected with and built that trust.
2: I, You know, it's funny you mentioned the, the barber and, and shared that barber story. And I was reminded of probably one of the biggest laughs I ever had in my life was with my uh, youngest daughter and she was single-digit age at the time eight or nine and um, we were watching an old rerun of Leave it to Beaver and the storyline was that for the second day in a row Beaver had been given money to stop and get a haircut on the way home from school and went to the candy store instead (laughs) and so he comes home it's now the second time and he's already a little bit in trouble from the first time Mm -hmm. so he goes to his older brother who cuts his hair for him (laughs) and as you might imagine completely Mm -hmm. butchers it so the two of them Mm -hmm. come up with a plan to try to fool their parents that they've joined a club that they have to wear their baseball hats twenty four hours a day, <laughs> all the time, and we Brilliant. Laughed, Brilliant. And we laughed so hard at at yes. <laughs> this harmless little subterfuge that was going on, and and the yeah. idea that uh, that this kid just could not avoid spending the money on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm and it and you reminded me of that and it it really was a a very funny plot line but yet at the same time there was something interesting about the fact that the parent was actually entrusting their mm-hmm. child to do this errand and to be responsible yeah. for this money and you know failure is part of the exercise and that's something we forget
4: absolutely hmm absolutely absolutely I we talk a lot about failure and and how to open ourselves up to be trusted adults to young people we've got to model vulnerability and and model the courage within that vulnerability and we're trying to make something go viral so you can help us here Tom but it's called the circus clap, and it comes from me going in and observing a circus camp did you ever go to circus camp no <laughs> me neither but they're out there and they're really cool. And there's kids learning to juggle, trapeze, unicycle. I mean, it is amazing. And their approach to failure is so impressive because I'll never forget, we were, I was watching the final performance. So I have watched them all week and then they get up at the final performance and a five-year-old is juggling. And all the parents and all the grandparents have all the cameras out and the iPhones and iPads. It's just like a sea of screens filming this one five-year-old. I know. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've you, been know to, you know the moment?
2: Yeah, I've been to school events that were like that, and <laughs> yes, look—and these poor kids yes. look like they're walking into a presidential <laughs> press High conference. Pressure. <laughs> High
4: pressure. And this little baby, five years old, is juggling away and drops the pin. And there's a collective, <gasps> <laughs> because everyone wants them to succeed, right? And everyone, "Oh no, we're biting fingernails." And this five-year-old looks at the crowd and goes, "Hey!" Like claps hands and just throws hands up in the air, and the applause was wild. And so pick them up again, kept going, drop them again, circus clap again, everybody cheers. He had totally flipped and was trained to do so by these incredible instructors that we're going to cheer for trying. We're going to cheer for your courage to get out there, to do it. And if you drop it, it means you are really trying and testing something and you've got more practice to do and you're going to get it, but we're going to cheer for that. And so I'm trying to make this go. Like every time I slip on the ice or bump something in the grocery store, I do the circus clap. <laughs> People know me around my town. That's the lady that does the circus clap. They cheer for me. We beat the embarrassment and we model that vulnerability and courage to keep going.
2: Well, that's, you know, that's... Um I, I used to make a joke about that. I, I, For several years early in my career, I played music for a living, traveled around the country, and I was talking mm-hmm. to a fellow musician, and we were talking about mistakes when you make a, a mistake in a live performance
3: and
2: mm-hmm. how you're supposed mm-hmm. to just carry on because most people won't notice. And um, and I told him, I said, you know, I have a theory about that. If you make a mistake, do it again, and people will think you're playing jazz. <laughs> And and we. Oh, used,
4: that's just as good as the circus flap. I like that. Well, and yes. we
2: used to joke about that all the time. Just well, do it again; they'll think it's jazz. <laughs> and um. And and but that's but that's part of it. It's it's really kind of aligned with that saying that if you fall down seven times, it's okay as long as you get back up eight. Yep.
3: That's
2: it. It's that same. And we. That same kind of thing. It's, it's you know, pick up and move on. But when you're trying to be an example for young people, you feel a lot more pressure to get things right all the time. And,
4: and that's what we have backwards. That's what's backwards. We, we can't just tell yeah. people it's okay to try. We have to show them. And we have to fail and pick ourselves back up.
2: But that's part of what contributes to burnout. It's exhausting. Trying to, you know, trying to get it right all the time.
4: Yes. Yes. I think forgiveness, uh, accepting failure, accepting mistakes are definitely ways to prevent burnout. It's a mentality. It's an emotional agility. Um, And we, as far as burnout goes, we, what we're seeing that helps is how you fill your tank, how you fill your bucket. And there's a lot of self-care talk, but I, at least in schools, we've got to take care of each other. So we say one trusted adult for young people, but we've got to have one trusted or many trusted colleagues uh, that we can lean on, that cheer each other on, that celebrate each other. And we are also encouraging everyone, if you had a trusted adult when you were younger, many trusted adult coaches, especially educators right now, go back and thank them now now is the time to go back and thank them because we've got to put fuel in their tanks to keep going to be burnout and one small way is to express our gratitude for all the ways that they showed up when we were younger
2: yeah my sister's a school teacher and she has students that will Mm -hmm. um you know former students that will come by from time to time and and give her updates on what they're doing and thank her for the Mm -hmm. role that she played and and i have to say watching from the sidelines those are some of the joy some of the most joyous interactions that she ever has you know she is so thrilled yeah. when somebody just takes that little bit of time and mm-hmm. and and i think the people who take the time get just as much out of it
4: i absolutely agree with that yeah what
2: um what made you um aware of all this to the point where you wrote this book and it came out a couple years ago but you founded an organization by the same name which i'm assuming is called one trusted adult
4: yes yes i was very fortunate i grew up in a very small town in southwestern ontario and i was an athlete hockey softball swimming, you name it, I was surrounded by amazing adults and a very strong family that supported me in every crazy dream I had, goal I had, everything. I mean, I really was cared for and I was pushed, nudged, (laughs) inspired um, to do my best, to be my best and also to give back. And when I became a dean of students at an independent school and I was working, I mean, that's it's a tough job like you're trying to do preventative and proactive work but you're it seems to be always putting out fires putting out fires putting out fires and i saw very very clearly that those young people who had trusted adults in their corner that i could say could you bring a trusted adult with you to the meeting or who would you like to join there was a real difference in their Resilience in their belief in themselves, in their self-esteem, in, in how they felt about themselves, the world, on and on and on. It, it was so clear. And then, it was really in an auditorium in one month, we had a suicide prevention program, a substance abuse prevention program, and a sexual assault prevention program. And every single program, and it was, I think, because of the timing of it, it was just boom, boom, boom. Each one ended, with them saying, if you have a worry or a concern or a question, seek out a trusted adult. And I sat in that auditorium and I looked around and I just thought to myself, do these young people, these 300 students we're caring for, do they see us as those trusted adults? And do we, the chemistry teacher, the ski coach, the history teacher, the, you know, school secretary, do we all see ourselves as the trusted adult? Is there a gap? Do we... (laughs) Or is there a way we can work on that? Can we go upstream and really have sort of a relationship revolution and spend our time not on updating the technology in the classroom and it's all important or the curriculum or the content or whatever, but could we go upstream for a little while and really invest in relationships? And we did. And by doing that, it shifted culture and it's, it, it changed the school and it changed young people and it changed educators. And so I wrote the book and didn't know it would turn into this organization, but now we're making journals and a school-wide campaign kit and any way we can help schools because they've read the book or they want to get behind it and how do we do it too, we're rolling out all kinds of connection tools to help adults uh, connect with young people, whether it's in schools or summer camps or it's just one-on-one and that helps.
2: One of the things now that the book is out and you have this organization is—is is there a, a, a switch you can turn um, to begin adopting this um, perspective on on life as as a young person or as potentially a trusted adult, um, or is there? a way people can begin and and sort of ramp up or or make the adjustment. Does it happen all at once or or can you just start a little bit at a time changing the way you look at things?
4: Yeah, I think, so we, our tagline always is be who you needed and that is often a switch for people. Like be who you need and be who you needed. And if we can use our, again, our emotional skills, our empathy, our desire to support and serve and really think about, like, if I don't know what else to do right now, what did I need when I was in eighth grade? Or what did I need when I was going through that situation? And oftentimes, it's asking questions instead of answering, right? It's a listening ear instead of talking. And there's one moment, I run a a girls' leadership camp for middle schoolers. And we talk about universal youth needs and getting back to the basics and fostering environments where young people feel belonging, they can contribute, uh, they feel safe, they feel secure. And a father raised his hand and said, like, what if I don't know what my daughter needs? And our simple answer back was, ask her. And, yeah. and I saw the switch go off, right? And he's like, ask my eighth grader what she needs and we said well let's let's run it through right now she comes home and she's crying you can say is there something that I can do to help or would you just like me to listen and this father started crying crying in (laughs) in an auditorium with a whole bunch of parents saying how did it never occur to me to ask because I want to be the dad I want to put on my armor and ride on my horse and like just hurt anyone who hurt her and I want to protect her and maybe the best way for me to protect her and to love her is to ask her, is there something I can do or do you just want me to listen? And by doing that, you build their self-esteem and their confidence by saying, you know, you best. You are an independent human and I am here to help you and support you and love you, but you've got to tell me how. So that's one switch. If I could recommend anything, that would be the switch.
2: Has what we've been going through the last couple of years with quarantines and lockdowns and and the whole COVID-19 pandemic uh, uh, global situation, um, has it been a hindrance to this philosophy?
4: It has in exposure to connecting with trusted adults. When young people can't play sports or you know, go to their Dungeon and Dragons club or even be in school, it's limiting the number of adults they interact with, which definitely is a hindrance. And I thought in my own child, like, just hearing our voices over and over was not healthy. So we were working hard to connect him to cousins, grandparents, aunts and uncles, uh, you know, virtual game mm-hmm. nights or ongoing gaming or communal movie watching and um, doing anything we could to, to keep that alive. Um and so we've had to be more intentional. I think everyone's had to be more intentional about how we keep our young people connected to other adults, other trusted adults. Um, so I would definitely say it's a hindrance, but it's not impossible to keep those relationships alive and keep an emphasis and priority on it. I think as a lot of schools, as we return, as they returned to in person, or are returning, or haven't yet, there it feels like a shift, like they're understanding the relational needs to become before the learning, that we've got to rebuild our community before we can get anywhere with algebra or geometry. We've got to get back to building that trust. So we have definitely seen an uptick in schools reaching out to help make that a priority right away.
2: Well, this is uh, a fascinating conversation. I can't believe how fast it's going. My guest is Brooklyn Rainey. (laughs) who is the author of One Trusted Adult, How to Build Strong Connections and Healthy Boundaries with Young People. She is also the founder of uh, an organization by the same name, One Trusted Adult. And, and, Brooklyn, as we draw to the close here, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Do you have a website?
4: Yes. I would say go to onetrustedadult.com, buy the book, give the book to someone else, tell schools about uh, a program we have called Operation OTA, and we also have something called Ripple Journals, all about that rippling effect, the rippling impact, your solo circle, your inner circle, your outer circle. It's for middle school age, but it was really intended for trusted adults to do with a young person um, to engage in really positive conversations about development and growth and goals. And sign up for our newsletter. We're always giving away um, connection tools and uh, downloadables. And we've got free webinars in February. We call it Frienduary. And so we've got a quiz where, Tom, you could figure out if you're a woo friend or a woe friend. It's a fun <laughs> quiz coming out, which uh, again just creates conversation. Like, what a great thing for a trusted adult to be talking to a young person about who to surround them with and what a healthy friendship looks like so definitely check out our website sign up for our newsletter and be a part of this movement of ensuring every single child on this planet can name at least one trusted adult hopefully many more
2: well you know i uh brooklyn i usually ask people who've uh written a book, you know, what's what's next? What's the next project? But it sounds like you may have sealed your fate with the founding of One Trusted Adult. Um, yeah. Has that become pretty much a full-time endeavor for you?
4: Yeah, triple full-time, if that's even possible. We're doing a lot. <laughs> we're creating a lot. Um, I'm Right now, I am working on a doctorate, and we're diving into mentorship roles and what way we lean as a mentor, whether you're sort of more of a natural cheerleader, challenger, a comforter, or coach. And we've got a quiz you can take that shows you're leaning, but how young people, or all people, need all four of those things. So whether we're partnering up with a co-parent or other trusted adults to, to be all of those things for a young person, or we can pull those levers within ourselves, that's what I'm really digging in and researching and excited about right now. So I hope that that someday becomes a book to be shared.
2: Well, Brooklyn, thank you so much for um, spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. And, um, you know, I I hope you'll continue the the good work. And um, I I guess I'd just like to nominate you as my uh, one trusted adult.
4: I'll write back (laughs) at you, Tom. Maybe we can go get haircuts together or go to the candy store together instead. There you
2: go. (laughs) Thank you
4: so much. This is really, I've loved this conversation. Thank you.
2: Take care. And uh, once again, that was Brooklyn Rainey. Her book is called One Trusted Adult, How to Build Strong Connections and Healthy Boundaries with Young People. And uh, it's been out for a couple years, but she has recently founded an organization by the same name, One Trusted Adult. We're going to take a short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that. Hi, button. this is
5: Joe Bai from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone.
8: This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease.
5: I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To
2: visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday.
5: You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium.
3: We've lost enough people and we've
7: Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again.
8: So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car. Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone.
7: Hey.
6: Mom and Dad,
8: you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you.
1: Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week.
8: I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nussel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
9: Um, watching television from three to five, you're almost forced to watch children's shows because that is all it's on at those hours. And there's a very good reason for this. No matter where you turn on the dial, you're always gonna find a kiddie show. And that is because the station makes such a killing on the kiddie show, they literally have to put it on. And it's a very low cost show to put on. First of all, they need an announcer who, preferably, is not too bright to begin with, you see? <laughs> in fact, the closer his mental age to the kids, uh, usually, the better the show, see? Uh, They need an oversized clown costume or Buster Brown suit for him to wear. Uh, they need some bleachers for the kids to sit in, the studio audience, and a cartoon machine. And With these four basic ingredients, you can present any children's show. This is my sort of a stereotype of all kiddie shows, uh, the Uncle Freddie Show, and they always start out the same. They start out with a slide, and then out this idiot walks in this clown costume. <laughs> and a little hat on top of his head. <laughs> if he were anywhere else, they would... <laughs> Put him away for a couple of years, you know. First of all, he, he talks to the kids before the show goes on
1: the air. Our uh, boys and girls, we're gonna go on the air in just a minute. And, uh, one thing I have to tell you before... <laughs> During the cartoon, you boys and girls can't talk in the studio Because that goes out over the air, see And we've instructed our announcers If you boys and girls talk during the cartoon They're instructed to belt you right in the mouth (laughs) So let's get Okay, boys and girls, we're gonna get ready for the show And there's the announcer man And he's gonna talk in that mic And then I'll come back and, And talk to you boys and girls boys and girls let's ask the boys and girls in our studios what do we always do on thursday boys and girls
3: <laughs>
1: what do we always do on thursday boys and girls what the hell do we always do on thursday boys and
3: girls?
1: <laughs> thursday is mailbag day boys and girls don't you remember that <laughs> haven't you boys and girls ever seen the show before <laughs> That's right, Thursday is mailbag day, boys and girls. Let's get right into our mailbag. Oh, Oh, two announcements I have to make, boys and girls, before I get into the mailbag. Uh... <laughs> Come on now, boys and girls. <laughs> Let's settle down now, boys and girls. That isn't nice to laugh at Uncle Freddy like that. You don't laugh at your mommies and daddies. You do laugh at your mommies and daddies. (laughs) Two announcements I have to make, boys and girls. As you know, we usually show the Three Stooges cartoons on Thursday, but uh, as I mentioned last week, they've been holding Uncle Freddy up on (laughs) price. Uncle Freddie has decided not to buy that show. I have bought a new cartoon show, which isn't quite as expensive. I think you boys and girls will enjoy very much. Call the Army Training Films. <laughs> and the title of our cartoon today, boys and girls, is Frostbite. So you want to be. Oh, uh, one other announcement, boys and girls Today we're adding the name of a new sponsor to our blacklist <laughs> We're adding the name of Pops New breakfast cereal And of course all the members uh, Boys and girls in good standing In the Uncle Freddy Club That of course means you can't have Pops For breakfast in the morning <laughs> Or uh, play with any little boys and girls Who do eat Pops <laughs> Well, let's, let's move on now into our mailbag, uh, boys and girls. Um here's the first letter. Uh it comes to us from Arnie Peterson, and it's written in crayon. Hmm. <laughs> we've uh, we've asked you boys and girls to please be careful in Prince letter, because Uncle Freddie can't always make out all your words. <laughs> It's uh, written on a bag also <laughs> Anyway, this, this one says Dear Uncle Freddie, the, the parf part... <laughs> well, uh, We're going to start printing these from now on Boys and girls, aren't we?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> the part of the show that I enjoy the most Is when you talk to Mr. Puppet Uh, well we'll we'll be doing that on friday and um, he says all the little boys and girls in my neighborhood (laughs) come come in and watch it on my tv set and we roll on the floor and hold our sides And my mommy, that looks like, uh, told me to sit down and write you this letter. And uh, that, as I said, is from uh, Arnie uh, Peterson, and he's 34. <laughs> okay, boys and girls, let's... Sunny. What's your name, Brucey? Uh huh. And, and how old are you, Brucie? You're four. W- would you like to see five, Brucey? <laughs> then don't talk in the studio. <laughs> there is uh, there is one little letter I did want to bring up because we've received a number of them like this. Uh, this is from a uh, Freddie Furno. Freddie Furno is that? He's age seven, and. Uh, He writes and he says, Dear Uncle Freddie, I sent in for the $27 decoding ring (laughs) and the three rooms of carpeting. (laughs) And instead I got back some pictures of older girls in sort of bathing suits. That, that was a little slip-up in Uncle Freddie's office, uh, boys and girls. That's a little service Uncle Freddie runs for some of the older boys and girls. <laughs> so if um, you might hang on to them for 10 or 12 years, Freddie, or um, maybe you might want to send them back to Uncle Freddie, and I'll send you back the magic decoder. Don't mail them, Freddie. <laughs> the time we have for our mailbag boys and girls let's all get up now and we will start marching and that'll be the signal for our cartoon okay everybody start marching and wave to your mommies and daddies as you go by the camp. that's the way boys and girls keep waving that's the way let's keep going son that's the way right out the door mark fire escape there you go
3: <laughs> this was
0: another comedy spotlight on the tom sumner program
5: Remember the night mom was pounding on her drums, she called me to her side. She said, son, you're growing up, pretty soon you're gonna drive. And daddy heard the commotion and came came in tap dancing, playing his sixth string. And they both looked at me and they said, son, before you get behind the wheel of a car, you listen to me. If you're texting while you steer, Don't drive. if you've been drinking beer, Don't drive. if you're talking on the phone." Don't try! Yeah, your ties are bald and it's starting to snow Don't try! If yeah, your foot can't reach the pedal Don't try! If you're wearing no apparel Don't try! If well, you took an illegal prescription Don't try! And no one understands your addiction Don't try! Don't speed, don't breathe, don't breathe, don't tweet, don't shave, don't rave, don't wave, don't eat And don't put no makeup on Or shave You know you're not supposed to do that Ugh. If you gotta do something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and step on my blue suede shoes. Ah, go ahead, and scuff them up. If you're driving with your knees, don't drive. If while you roll know you eat, don't drive. If you don't know how to drive,
3: don't drive. If
5: you've been psychedelicized, don't
3: drive. If you're
5: kissing on your boobs booze kissing on you. Don't try. Yeah, you've been drinking at a bar. Don't try. Yeah, there's guns in the car. Don't drive. Don't groom, no, no don't shave, don't no tweeze, don't no nurse, don't no watch these things in your ears or rummage through your purse. Ugh, don't do that. Huh. If you want something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and talk on my man Manchu. Go ahead, I don't care. Watch me tear. <laughs> if you feel like a nap. Don't drive the If there's a pooch on your lap. Oh,
4: it's dangerous and creepy. If you're feeling really
5: wired. Around, if your license is expired. Don't you drive <laughs> around the <town? laughs> To do something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and step on my bluesway shoes, scuff them up! Then go ahead and pull on my full man shoe! Yeah. If you wanna do something, you wanna do something that's good. If you're feeling like any of that stuff, don't drive! Make sure you got a clear head.
3: Ow! Sleep!